This afternoon we deal with Lord's Day 28 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 28. We'll also read in connection with that the first half of Article 35, the Belgian Confession. But we begin with Lord's Day 28. And there the church confesses the word of God as follows. How does the Lord's Supper signify and seal to you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts? In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him. With this command, he gave these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord, as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to eternal life with his crucified body and shed blood. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his shed blood? First, to accept with a believing heart all the suffering and death of Christ and so receive forgiveness of sins in life eternal. Second, to be united more and more to his sacred body through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us. Therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, yet we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones and we forever live and are governed by one spirit as the members of our body are by one soul. Where has Christ promised that he will nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood as surely as they eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup? In the institution of the Lord's Supper, the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This promise is repeated by Paul, where he says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So far, the Halberd Catechism. Now we turn to Article 35 of the Belgic Confession, page 514 in the Book of Praise. And there we confess the following about the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. We believe and confess that our Savior Jesus Christ has instituted the sacrament of the Holy Supper to nourish and sustain those whom he has already regenerated and incorporated into his family, which is his church. Those who are born anew have a twofold life. One is physical and temporal, which they received in their first birth and is common to all men. The other is spiritual and heavenly, which is given to them in their second birth and is affected by the word of the gospel in the communion of the body of Christ. This life is not common to all, but only to the elect of God. For the support of the physical and earthly life, God has ordained earthly and material bread. This bread is common to all, just as life is common to all. For the support of the spiritual and heavenly life, 
which believers have, he has sent them a living bread which came down from heaven, namely Jesus Christ, who nourishes and sustains the spiritual life of the believers when he is eaten by them that is spiritually appropriated and received by faith. To represent to us the spiritual and heavenly bread, Christ has instituted earthly and visible bread as a sacrament of his body and wine as a sacrament of his blood. He testifies to us that as certainly as we take and hold the sacrament in our hands and eat and drink it with our, with our mouths by which our physical life is then sustained, so certainly do we receive by faith as the hand and mouth of our soul the true body and true blood of Christ, our only Savior, in our souls for our spiritual life. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord and boys and girls who belong to the Lord. This morning we heard about God's command to his Old Testament church to make tassels on their garments to help them remember him and his commandments. He delivered them from slavery and certain death in Egypt and he showed them how to live in love before him And that's what those tassels were to also call them to. Well, that's something like why Christ instituted the New Testament sacraments. We just watched baptism administered to little Caitlin. Baptism reminds us how Christ has delivered us from the slavery of sin, from eternal death, a constant call to us uh, and to our children to also now live a new life. And that's what the Lord's Supper celebration is about too. It's a meal of remembrance. And that that means it reminds us that we share in Christ and all his gifts and therefore now also can live a new life. And this afternoon in line with what the Bible says in Ephesians 3 and what we confess in Lord's Day 28, we'll consider how that sharing in Christ and his gifts is made visible and tangible for us at the Lord's Supper. And I preach to you the Lord's Supper proclaims Christ, and it proclaims him in three ways. First of all, Christ for us. Secondly, Christ in us. And thirdly, Christ through us. First of all, the Lord's Supper proclaims Christ for us. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the Lord's Supper is in the first place an occasion for remembrance. It's a remembrance meal. Remember the Lord's death until he comes. Do this in remembrance of me. We remember. We do that in our daily life too, right? We Remember special things that happened in the past. For instance, we remember anniversaries, so many years since the day we were married in the Lord, whether that's one year or or 60 years. On Remembrance Day every year, we remember men and women in the armed forces who gave sacrifices to defend freedom in all kinds of armed conflicts. In the case of Remembrance Day, we don't even have to be there as such in order to remember. We take part in Remembrance Day 
and we remember things that we didn't actually see ourselves. It's just important for us to remember what happened in the past. The Lord's Supper is a remembrance meal. We celebrate in remembrance of something that happened in the past, in history, even though we were not there ourselves. What we remember took place completely outside of us. And what took place was that Jesus died for sinners, was crucified for them, for the sins of his people. Even if there are many people who don't believe in him, that that God's son died on a cross outside Jerusalem 2,000 years ago for the sins of the world is a fact that we remember at every Lord's Supper celebration. At every Lord's Supper, we remember the fact that God God's Son gave himself up for us for our sins on the cross. And you know, we have maybe celebrated the Lord's Supper and listened to the gospel preached hundreds, maybe even thousands of times, but we'll never ever be able to say we understood it all. We've understood everything Jesus did for us on the cross. And that's what makes every Lord's Supper celebration new again and necessary we can remember Christ's death but every time again we have the opportunity to recall or to think about or to discover another aspect of what he did there we'll never get finished with that look at what the apostle Paul writes about that in Ephesians 3 he writes there about the preaching to the Gentiles of which he was a minister he was appointed as preacher and minister to the Gentiles. And he had to preach to them the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable. That means you never get to the bottom of it. You never get finished with it. We'll never get finished understanding what Christ has done for us. Every time again we'll find a different aspect to what he has accomplished for us on the cross. What he did is so profound, so deep, it's like a huge ocean we'll never get finished drinking in. We usually kind of just summarize what Christ obtained for us as the forgiveness of all our sins and the renewal of our lives. In the form for Lord's Supper, it's mentioned but that by his spirit we have communion with Christ and share in all his riches, and I'm quoting from the form then, And share in all his riches, and then comes this summary, life eternal, righteousness, and glory. Well, those riches are wonderful to contemplate in themselves. But let's never think that they're the only ones, that that's the limit of what Christ has obtained for us by his cross. No, there's a whole lot more. There's a whole lot to those things, and there's a whole lot more. How could the unsearchable riches of Christ be expressed in just a few words like that. He also obtained for us, for instance, just to think of this, he obtained for us healing, holiness, protection, strength, wisdom, freedom, love, humility, peace, hope, every possible blessing one can imagine. You could have a whole sermon on each of those riches. It has so many aspects to it. The blessings of Christ, which he has obtained for us by his cross, are unfathomable. As Paul also says, unfathomable. You'll never get to the bottom of it. Congregation, 
I mention this because I'm afraid that we, we sometimes limit those blessings which Christ wants to share with us a lot. We limit them. Forgiveness of sins and renewal of our lives and life eternal. Yes, those are the main summary. We say those things and we think of them as, as just the... Think of the other things as maybe extras to the main things we already have. But let's not fool ourselves. There is so much that comes with that forgiveness in itself. And that renewal of life. And that eternal blessedness to come. will never to eternity be able to come to the bottom of it all. Jesus obtained all that for us. By his one sacrifice on the cross. Those hours that day he hung there. And at the Lord's Supper through the hands of the minister. He gives, he gives out a piece of bread and a sip of wine. You come to the front here. You take that. And with that bread and wine he says to us. I did this for you. I obtained all those unsearchable riches for you. It's available to you. Starting now, going on forever in the life to come. And you'll never get to the bottom of it. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, this is just a little piece of bread and a little sip of wine that we receive at the Lord's Supper celebration. Don't underestimate the meaning communicated by that bread which you take from the plate and that sip of wine in that cup. There's a lot of meaning packed into that little piece of bread and that one sip of wine. In giving us that bit of bread and sip of wine, the Lord Jesus assures us that what he did on the cross 200 years ago means a whole unfathomable feast of blessings for us. A whole feast of blessings for us which will never end. Which will never end. Riches that will never cease to amaze us for eternity. Riches we can't fathom now and which will never get finished. Understanding in eternity. That's what that celebration is about in the first place, congregation. Christ for us. And that means incredible, unsearchable blessings promised to us, for us. We don't see a lot of those blessings yet. Sometimes we see very little of them at all at this time. We feel poor and forsaken sometimes. But then the Lord Jesus calls us to the Lord's Supper celebration and he says to us here a little piece of bread and a sip of wine so you remember what I did for you and so that you have a small taste of the great feast which is there for you through faith in me an eternal feast and let's that, let that sink into our our minds and, and into our hearts, congregation. And let's let, 
let that amaze us every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. That piece of bread and sip of wine represent incredible, unsearchable riches which Jesus Christ has obtained for us by his cross. We're poor sinners ourselves and yet incredibly rich through Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. Think about that when you walk up for the bread and the wine. Rich in Christ. We come to the second point. The Lord's Supper proclaims Christ in us. So for us, also now in us. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the Lord's Supper is a meal of remembrance, as we mentioned. But we don't just remember the fact that Jesus died on the cross on Golgotha 2,000 years, years ago. No, Jesus died but also rose victorious over sin and death and corruption. He lives. He brought life and immortality to light. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, he is the host there who lives and is present there, not physically, physically is in heaven, but he's there in his spirit, spiritually, which is just as real. And the amazing thing is that when he is there in the spirit, he who died for us then can also come and live in us. He comes from without and lives in, inside us. And that's what the eating of that bread and drinking of the wine at the Lord's Supper are about. Because what happens when we eat and drink? Something that's outside of us ends up inside us. Via our mouth and throat, it goes down our esophagus into our stomach. And it becomes part of us. It becomes part of us. That food and drink becomes part of us, gives us energy. We absorb it into our bodies. It makes us strong, able to do what we do. That's what the Lord's Supper celebration is also intended then to communicate to us. By giving us a piece of bread and a sip of wine and telling us to eat and drink in remembrance of him, the Lord Jesus shows very clearly that he wants to live in us. That's what he promises to do, to live in us. Of course, he doesn't do that via that actual piece of bread and that sip of wine. It doesn't become his actual flesh and blood. But eating that bread and drinking that wine does mean that through faith, he actually does go in us, live in us. He has his unsearchable riches compacted into that piece of bread and sip of wine. And we put that in our mouths and swallow in it. And, and it becomes part of us. Everything he did. Christ becomes part of us. Everything he did becomes part of us. Jesus speaks about Christ so living in us that we're flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. The Apostle Paul writes about that incredibly close union 
with Christ, between believers and, and Christ in Ephesians 3, the verses 16 and 17, where he says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Dwell in your hearts through faith. So, that he repeats that, by the way, in Galatians. In Galatians 2, the apostle writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. See, congregation, Christ promises believers he will live in their hearts. He wants to, then to take residence in us. In other words, he doesn't want to take up a temporary residence in us like a tourist in a hotel. He wants to make our hearts his permanent dwelling place. Wants to fill our lives, change them to his image. And that's what the Lord's Supper wants to teach and assure us of too then, congregation, with that eating of bread and drinking of wine. Christ lives in us through faith. And then he and we share in each other. Oh, there's all too often still a lot of spiritual weakness in our lives as believers, right? So much lack of zeal, so much self-centeredness, We're still so vulnerable to temptation and sin. Fortunately, though, that doesn't mean that as soon as we commit a sin, Christ moves out and doesn't live in us anymore. No. That dwelling in us mentioned in Ephesians 3 means that Christ lives in us in such a way that he doesn't just simply abandon us when we fall, but that he brings us to feel sorry for our sins every time again. He brings us to true repentance so that we want him to forgive us and want to give him more and more control over our lives. So Christ in us, more and more, that's what the Lord's Supper also proclaims. Just as we swallow that bread and wine every time the Lord's Supper is celebrated and that food enters our bodies and becomes part of us, so Christ, he who offered himself up for us, who died and rose again, he comes and lives in us and takes us over more and more, takes over our lives. The apostle speaks, in Ephesians 3, verse 19, about knowing the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That means your life more and more filled with Christ. That's what's represented to us in that eating and drinking at the Lord's Supper celebration. Christ lives in us, wants to fill our hearts with his love more and more, and our lives with his riches more and more. He wants to communicate those riches to us. So Christ for us becomes Christ in us. Do you believe that? Do you see that signified and sealed 
in the eating of that bit of bread and the sipping of that bit of wine at the Lord's table. He lives in you and he says, I want to take you over completely. And what could be more wonderful than being steered in thought and life, not by our selfish and sinful desires, but by Christ, by Jesus Christ, who is the wisdom and the righteousness of God. We come to the last part of the sermon. The Lord's Supper also proclaims Christ through us, for us, in us, through us. Congregation, I'm afraid we often think like this. You know, Christ has done a lot for us. We receive that through faith for nothing. And now it's up to us to do something in thankfulness for that. It's our turn to do deeds of thankfulness for that. Quite, quite understandable that we, we think along those lines. But that's actually not the way it is. Our life of thankfulness also has to come from Jesus Christ. It has to come from him. He lives in us, and then he works through us in our lives in this world. Christ in us becomes Christ through us. So it's not a matter of it now being our turn to do something for Jesus because he did something for us. No, Christ died for us, lives in us, works through us. That's how it works, all from him. If he lives in us, then by his power, he will certainly Work through us too. The one follows the other. And if the other is not there, then he, he doesn't live in us either. And we need to examine ourselves concerning that. Congregation, that, that Christ through us is also proclaimed in the Lord's Supper celebration. The catechism speaks about the nourishing and, and refreshing of our souls. The form does too. If you, if you take in that food, you're nourished, you're strengthened, and then you get the energy to do what you do again. You can you think of doing something strenuous like running a marathon or lifting a lot of stones or chopping a, a pile of wood. You get tired. You run out of energy eventually, right? But then you take some nourishing food and refreshing drink and you're recharged again you have new energy again well Jesus Christ is our energy our strength our life his spirit if he enters into us then he also when he is in us works through us And we don't have to do that by ourselves in our own strength then. His broken body and shed blood, represented by broken bread and poured out wine, is our energy food, our energy drink. His spirit gives us the will and the strength to live for God. To live in holiness, to do good works. You can think here of the image of the vine and and the branches, John 15. The branches get the sap from the vine, and that brings those branches to produce fruit. When that sap comes through the vine into those branches, then those branches produce fruit. 
The Spirit of Jesus Christ, so to speak, flows through the vine into the branches, into us, and brings us to produce the fruit of good works to God's glory. Christ for us means Christ in us, who also works through us. In Ephesians 3, verse 20, the Apostle Paul speaks about the Lord being able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. See, Christ in us is power and that works through us in our hands, our feet, our mind, the strength of Christ, in the strength of Christ, all things are possible. Things change in our lives. We leave behind the things we figured we could never ever give up. And we do things which we never ever thought we'd be able to come to do. Able to deny ourselves this and to do what we know God wants from us in all kinds of situations. Forgive somebody what they did. That self-denying yourself and then doing what you didn't think you could do. Let it go. Forgive that person. Our thoughts and desires, for instance, they change Through Christ, we think differently about what's important in our life and what's not important. So many today think they need this. You know, they need that. Wants so easily become needs. But through Christ, we see things from a different perspective. We're willing to give up things, to set aside time in order to worship God and be with his people on Sundays and study his word during the week, to take the time to open it for devotions And another way we change when Christ lives in us is that our our view of what's good and not good changes. And that's him working through us. We consider bad what Christ considers bad, and we view as good what Christ views as good. We're transformed by the renewal of our, our minds, Paul writes in Romans 12. Transformed. Our thoughts and attitudes change. Christ in us works that through us and so our feelings change we can't stand it when we hear someone cursing using God's name in vain we react with disgust when we see someone being mistreated we empathize with people who are suffering we we feel sympathy for those who are in need we don't feel like that by nature that's not natural to us by nature we want to Think about ourselves. Even when we help others, we we want to do it for our own sakes. And we tend to look down on others. But, congregation, we have those thoughts of empathy and so on because Christ in us is working through us. And our behavior, our behavior would change too then. It becomes different. We don't just say or do things for the show, but we become genuine upright in, in our deeds and words. We don't retaliate right away in anger when someone comes against us. We show unconditional love to people who don't have any love for us. We do good to them even when they mistreat us. We speak 
to and warn people when we see them getting drawn into the grip of the evil one. We never do those things by nature, actually. We act like that because Christ for us is in us and works through us. So Christ nourishes and refreshes us to eternal life, changes us from the inside out so that we begin to live like him more and more. And let's not forget, he's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. He's mighty to bring big changes and do wonderful deeds of love through us. Maybe we don't think we can ever change this. Then we then he needs to live in us more. And then he'll certainly work that through us and change us. And that's what the Lord's Supper also proclaims to us. So in the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper, we see that Christ gave himself for us, lives in us, works through us, graciously, powerfully, wonderfully. And let's, let's then seek to experience that not only with the Lord's Supper celebration, but always. That, that, let that mark our lives every day. Because that's what we want, isn't it? Christ for us, in us, through us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, which you instituted and for its glorious purpose to signify and seal that Christ died for us, that he now lives in us, and that he wants to work through us in this world. Let that gospel proclaimed by the Lord's Supper encourage us every time we celebrate it and every time we think back on having celebrated it. Let it be a great encouragement to our faith. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.